Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Three in a Bar, a podcast where we are joined by a different musician every episode. I'm Seb Philpott. And I'm Verity Simmons. I play the trumpet. And I play the cello. Our guests could be from any part of the music world. We've spoken to pop stars, composers, orchestral musicians, singers, musical theatre performers and lots more. We chat about their careers, ambitions and get a glimpse into what makes each musician unique. Shall we sing the song? Oh, don't make me sing the song. Three, three in a bar. Hey, I tell you what, auto-tune is a wonderful thing. Three, three in a bar. Come on, Seb. First round's on me. I definitely would, but I don't have cash. I'm so sorry. Can take two minutes to do online banking, and I take two minutes of your time. Could could you come back round in a bit? Do you reckon? Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't do it. I'm so sorry. Good luck, though. Sounds like a scam. It's a fucking scam. I'm gonna just hold my bike. Just hold my bike up. Come back and get that. <laughs> Their boxing gym's closing down. Yeah, really. I'm sorry. They don't even have a boxing outfit on. And that one of those kids has n- never been near a boxing ring in his life. <laughs> Look at them. They're looking back. I'm sorry. No, not boxers. Little scamps. Cheeky little scamps. I like the face that accompanies <laughs> this. So you're going to say something profound, aren't you? I can just sense it. I mean, I, I was thinking of something Eric Cantona might have said <laughs> in one of his most poetic moments. Oh, go on. Does I can't remember. It's something about a bird in a cage. Oh. Does a bird in a cage sing as sweetly as a bird who is free? Oh, that's lovely. Something it's, like that. It's a bit like if a tree falls in a wood and you don't see it has it really happened something like that <laughs> it's poetic it's good if a podcast hasn't released any episodes for several <laughs> months is it really a podcast <laughs> yes there we go you found the profound statement that was it, that was that it. Was it. well done <laughs> and a lovely welcome to welcome. our listener welcome listener we are in not a bar, but a park mm. sitting on the floor. It is Russell Square. It's nice, isn't it, this one? Um, London. S- yeah, small park, but well kept, I'd say. Nice looking for, cafe. For central London, it's, well, it's quite, it's, it's a small park. It is a small it park. Is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> nice, though. It is nice. Uh, I, I got Barclay Square... That, that the nice girl sang in Barclay Square stuck in my head, but that's not this square, is it? Very much not this Where square. Is Barclay square? Um, I feel like it's near Claridge's. 
And oh. that is a very small park, smaller than this one. Oh, right. For more park chat, <laughs> yeah. come to... There was a nice one, actually, Bloomsbury Park, which I passed on the oh, way yeah. here, which that would have been nearer me, but... But didn't cut the mustard? Well, it's a bit even smaller than this. Oh, OK. This is great, actually. Yeah, it's perfect. And um, we're, well, we're, we're here. Uh, w- welcome back. It's kind yeah. of like, is it a new series? I think this is. This is the start. Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Well, we can call it that because we've had a big break. <laughs> we certainly have a big break. And we've got new artwork. <gasps> have we? Did I do some new music? Did I? Oh. Did I not? Maybe. It might feel new because it's, it's been a while. It's new. Well, you know, so basically we're back and um, back, but not with a bang because, uh, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> well, don't oversell us, that's for sure. <laughs> well, so we had a little break because, because I went on tour to, to Australia and we couldn't really do anything. Then I got back, had about two weeks back and we did a couple of interviews. Yeah. And then... Just out of nowhere, I got a part in a play where I'm acting, a, a bit of acting, but I'm doing lots of bits within the play, playing a bit of trumpet, playing the ukulele. <laughs> I love that element. I cannot wait to come and see it. I'm even playing a bit of double bass. No, you're not. And um, How's that, how's that come to be? Just all sorts of stuff. And <laughs> so, so that has just taken over my life. It was like very last minute uh, audition. And then the, the rehearsal started the week later and... It's now three weeks. We're in the fourth week of rehearsals. Wow. It's all day. Uh, and, uh, well, it's, so that's the issue right here, isn't it? <laughs> Apart from welcome to the new episode. And, yeah, so, and no, we've got an get, exciting guest for you. But, <laughs> but let's get our issues out of the way saying, first. I think it's good to clear that. <laughs> <laughs> things might be a bit different around here for a few weeks. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but hey, that's exciting, right? In yeah. itself. Well, should, we, should we wait until the end yeah. to just describe that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have. To, to tell them more? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's cut to Stay. our fabulous <laughs> guests, shall we? Okay. So you think maybe we should cut all that bit? No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. Keep it in. Keep it in. That's, that's an absolute jewel, isn't it? Okay, well, uh, welcome to the show. Um, this is a chat we had with Hannah Peel. <gasps> yes. And if you don't know who Hannah Peel is... Well, where have you been? Where have you been? She's a composer. Um, that's, well, a musician, singer. Uh, everyone's a musician, really, who comes on the show. <laughs> Yeah, surprise, surprise. She's a musician. I've got her Wikipedia page here. Oh, that's... that's. Shall I read from That's better than what I was trying to do. No, I was going to let you freestyle a little longer. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I love a Wikipedia page, so here we go. Yes. Hannah Mary Peel, born 27th... 27th, I can't speak. Born 27th of August 1985, is a British artist, music producer, Mercury Music Prize, an Emmy-nominated composer and BBC Radio 3 broadcaster. That's a lot of things. Yeah. Her solo music is primarily electronic synthesizer based and often includes classical scoring and sound design with references to the links between science, nature and music. She has scored music for television, film, theatre and dance including Game of Thrones, The Last Watch. In brackets, a special documentary. There we go. I mean, there's an awful lot more and her latest album is called Fur Wave, and we talk about that, don't we? She had also just been nominated for an Ivor Novello Award the, yeah. the night before we spoke to her. Yeah. So she'd just been at the, the little awards do, but also the night before we saw her was the press night 
for the, yes. the play that she's just written the music for. That's right. Dancing at Lunasa at the National Theatre. Glad you said so, that. Glad <laughs> you took that one. Thank you. And uh, I've been I've been around lots of actors. They uh. talk about plays all the time. <laughs> it's just in your actors blood now. Actors go, go to watch plays all the time. Do they? Yeah. Have you have you been to any? No, no, but <laughs> but <laughs> you will. <laughs> but I don't think musicians go to many no. gigs if they've got a night off. Actors they go to watch plays. They they've seen everything. <laughs> they've seen There's it a lot all. To be learned. No, from I actors. think that's good, isn't yeah, it? It is. I good. feel like I should go to more concerts. Well, might go to one of Hannah's. Yeah, well, she's actually on tour in September. She's announced Furwave Live, four dates so far. Yeah, well, probably that is that is it. Yeah, she's one of them. Well, she's curating things at King's Place, and she's got three concerts, hasn't she? There coming up yes. over this year. Yes, King's Place. Uh, so check out King's Place website for her gigs there. If you want to see her on tour with Furwave, she's at Stroud, Leeds, Gateshead, and Banger. Hey, banger. Great. So, um, well, we, we spoke to her in a lovely studio. What's it called? Cube, with a Q. Cube. Yeah. Cube in Canary Wharf. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Very nice. We got there, yeah. we brought all our gear, and then they got there, <laughs> we were like, oh, you don't need any of that. It's all <laughs> set up. You just press a button. Oh. <laughs> oh. But very so nice. It was great. Nice spinny chairs, good lighting, although yes. we struggled with that a little, didn't we, <laughs> before yeah, yeah, she yeah. arrived. Um, yeah. Yes. She, no, I don't think you hadn't <laughs> met her before, had you? Oh, sorry, sir. So, yeah, I think it is. I've got the same. It's awful, isn't Ooh. it? <laughs> no, I hadn't met her before. No, nor had I. But she was just so delightful and easy to talk Lovely. to. And yeah. felt like an old friend by the end of it. Yes. I hope she felt like that too. I hope so. She was, ge- <laughs> she was generous and nice. She and, was generous and, uh, and nice. Hopefully we'll stay in touch. Yeah. Uh, so, well, this is the chat. And then we'll be back at the end for a little, little waffle. And then that'll be probably the end of the episode <laughs> and then you can go that's on it. living your life that's it laid out for you right there uh, okay this is hannah peel did you have press night last night yeah i am wrecked oh <laughs> i, I wasn't yes. saying that in a way as if to say you look all right you look <laughs> yeah. lovely because uh, i didn't drink yeah. that much but uh, you know when because it was a full day because it was yes. like because I got I don't know if you saw I got nominated for an Ivor yes yeah. congratulations so, um, congratulations so it was launch of that party and then it was my press night so I went to that and that was drinks free drinks and party and then I went to the press night which was also free drinks but I'd not eaten anything so I literally oh, had probably two drinks but I didn't there was no food anywhere and I didn't have any I was staying in a hotel so there was no food there so oh god so I feel a little bit like ah oh, ropey today just from uh, but good I feel yeah. excited right? I feel ready for this yeah, yeah great so, so the well let's start so, so with the the nomination last night was that like did you have an inkling you were getting nominated or do you get invited to go you, you might be getting nominated you should come along uh, or yeah, they told us a couple of weeks ago, which was actually quite handy because we were wanting to do a vinyl release ever since the soundtrack came out. Yeah. But because of vinyl lead times and things just not quite sitting right, it's just been a year of waiting for this vinyl to be ready. And like, you know, it kept coming back with the test pressings and they were scratchy. And so I eventually was like, 
Steve to Steve, my manager, like, I think we should just call it quits on this because it's been a year. Who's going to buy a vinyl? And then when we found out about, um, well, actually before that, the Invader Records, who are amazing to work with, they had said, look, we are going to do it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, because as an artist, you want you want it to sell and you want it to just sell out. And that's, you know, you don't want people sat with boxes of stock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, anyway. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we've been working on this limited edition vinyl and uh, Richard Stevenson, has, uh, who's an illustrator, has done this amazing bespoke artwork. It looks gorgeous. Just, I saw the pictures this oh, morning. It looks amazing, doesn't it? It's just, yeah, fabulous. The detail... I mean, you can't really see digitally, but actually, when you, I think when we get a vinyl and you see it close up, the detail of, of drawing that he's done on it is just phenomenal. So he's a massive sci-fi fan, so it was a great Perfect. collaboration. Um, so yeah, that was all in the pipeline, but because of this, they've really pushed it forward. Once we found out, we were like, right, okay, well... So you know the vinyl doesn't come out until the end of May and things, which lead times are as they are. So yeah, it's just lovely that we can announce a pre-order and get it up and out. Yeah, That's okay. it's not it's not usual to have a vinyl release for a TV show, no, is it? Not at all. But Invader are really great because they do do vinyl releases. Like they've done Stranger Things. And, oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. a lot of like say Clint Mansell soundtracks and stuff. So that, so they are great at doing bespoke vinyl mm. records. And I think they sell a lot to Europe and America as well. So there's a lot of people that collect their soundtrack records. Yeah. So yeah, not um <coughs> usual most record labels wouldn't, but especially for soundtracks, yeah. they wouldn't do it at all. But Invader is so kind of niche and they only put out soundtracks that they really want. Like as well. Yes. Like that you know, I've got soundtracks coming up in the next year or so and, and they're not suitable for Invader. They're they're a different sound and mm. they have a certain sound and it so it's a bit of a dream to actually a be nominated for an Ivor. I think it's like a dream come true, and then to be on an Invader as well. Yes, yeah. so, what's an awesome soundtrack! It's so good. It's so oh, eerie yes. and kind of evocative. And incredible. Um, I was wondering, with something like that, do you have to kind of? Is there an equivalent of method acting where you kind of have to sort of live that world, get into? I know it's like dark. I hope for your <laughs> sake you didn't have to. <laughs> and like, it's a really good question, that because. I think um, I studied drama when I was a kid and I did like A-level drama and then before I went and did music I did I went to do an acting degree and there is a like a certain element of understanding drama and being involved in it and and yeah I do delve into it very deeply and and I think that is why I don't do many soundtracks like regularly like I'm not a kind of composer that goes from one job to the next because I find it's too overwhelming mm. I kind of just like to choose the ones that really make the sparks fly within my head and stick with it and and you know the jobs where I've done where it has been back to back I've not enjoyed the process I've I've much I'm much better at kind of leaving that gap to give you space and creativity because I do find being involved in TV shows very immersive and films like you you get involved in them you become emotionally attached to yeah. them you know, like I'm watching things that are actually quite scary and you become scared yourself. And that's a good feeling. Like you want to feel that as a composer because you want the audience to feel it as well. So, yeah, that's a good question. It's, um, yeah, it's very, uh, uh, yeah, immersive, I would say, is the word for sure. Yeah. I hadn't actually watched it. And so I, and I, I watched the, I saw your announcement last night and I was like, 
Oh my gosh! So I, I should watch some of this. So I got up early this morning and I watched the first episode. Did you? At like six a.m. Wow, that's dedication. I, was like, I need to get up before my daughter wakes up. So, uh, and it's so good. It's such wow, a good so show. That's a like, that's a crazy one to watch at that time in the morning. It was because the light was sort of coming in and the, you know it's eerie. Sort of eerie. The um, I mean, it's, I mean, you haven't seen it, have you? But but no. you, but you're gonna you're gonna to the love full it. Soundtrack, and I sort of feel like I'm halfway there. <laughs> I watched the trailer, then into the soundtrack, and I was like, right, I just need to get my subscriptions back up. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it's now TV. I mean, they yeah. give you good deals, don't they? They do. I'll be back yeah. on it. Succession's on at the moment, so <laughs> yeah. so yeah. it's a good one to there get at are. the moment. It's a double. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, some shows it's quite easy to get a bit bored, and then <clears throat> look at your phone. This was not like that. At all so um well done everyone that was <laughs> working on the show oh it's a lot of impact but you know what i loved about that in particular that show is i got to work with the sound designer yeah really closely so when you kind of like there's almost like an amalgamation of what is music and what is sound mm. and and it, the, the boundaries are very much kind of blurred you know like almost sometimes i was like did i write that and then it's the sound design and then oh you know equally like i'm thinking that's the sound design and then i'm like oh no that's me <laughs> so yeah. it's really nice because i i love that type of collaboration and you know i've just done them um, i've just done the press night for the dancing at lunasa which was at the national theater and uh and to go into theatre again and to be with people is so great. Like just to see what is happening and know that, you know, the music and the visual and the actors are all influencing each other is such a nice thing because in film and TV, you're generally on your own. Yeah. So it, it's lovely to work. Um, the sound designer on Midwich Cuckoos was called Harry Barnes. He's done so many different things like but most notably Doctor Who and mm. he's just really into that world. So... <coughs> Yeah, it was a real pleasure for me to be on that show. Yeah, because I guess there's a bit massive overlap between the sound design and your the sounds you're creating that sound world. Mm. Um, I, I noticed the things like where you'd have a musical cue come in and then there'd be a, a clock would chime, and so even just like the 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 interval of the clock compared to everything else, that's that's something you're you're that's a decision, isn't it? I'm sure. Think, like, yeah, there must be decisions in there, yeah. and. But actually, like, and yeah, there's one scene where, um, to not give it away, where somebody has, you know, been, uh, has, you know, they're calling for the hospital or somebody has... Hmm. A thing has happened. A thing has happened. <laughs> but there is, a, there is a phone buzzing and the, the, the tone of the phone buzzing just ended up that it was the same tone as the music. It, yeah. just, it was just one of those weird happenings. Yeah, Like, yeah, I didn't yeah. plan that necessarily. Actually, a lot of the time, Harry would be in the process would be quicker at doing the episodes than I would because I was always on the back foot of like working on the previous ep- episode and it's such a fast turnaround like you literally got kind of two weeks to do the whole episode <laughs> yeah so so he would send the sound design and it was just really helpful to just have that there that you could then bounce off yeah which you know a lot of the time it's done separately or but and I think that's what made it work it's like that like immersion world. that you were saying. Mm. Exactly that's it. It's, you really are you're getting the full thing. You can just kind of, that's lovely, you can just layer up and kind of put mm. it on. But did you have a bit of time to just kind of work out what kind of sounds you wanted to use for this show? Yeah, so, I mean, luckily, um, I like to start projects quite early. So if I get a script, then that's using my starting point. Mm. And the conversations that I had with the writer, David Farr, and he's also the exec producer and the 
the director of the first three episodes, Alice Troughton. Um, yeah, we had some great conversations and the exec producers. I mean, it was a really big team, but all very much like working together. So, yeah, I presented quite a few ideas just based on the script. And actually, that's what got me the job in, in some senses. But like a lot of those demo tracks were then kind of the basis for the score. So the melodies and the sounds that we use. So, for example, like very much analog synthesizers, but also uh, that kind of English suburban pastoral idyllic town was like represented with like um, woodwinds and I prefer to use low woodwinds so you know bass clarinets and things like that so they kind of became the rhythm of things and that seemed to kind of satisfy these two worlds you know the the, the reality and then the alien mm. yeah. presence that comes and yeah. you don't quite know I think that's the beauty of it is like you know it's going to be a sci-fi and you know there's things in it but you know John Wyndham who's novel it's adapted adapted this is where i start to slow down with my late nights <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> robots not working um yeah you know his his world anyway is that kind of biological sci-fi where it's yes. it's your real kind of world and then things just are kind of infiltrated into it and you don't quite know what's happening and i think i loved that the most about midwich cuckoos it was this almost subliminal messaging and the music was that in the end yeah Absolutely. You can't get much more of a difference between that and... Let me get the pronunciation correct. Go on. Lun, lu, oh. No, Lunasa. Lunasa. Oh. Lunasa. Oh. Lunasa. Oh. For God's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> I, I watched a video. <laughs> I was to say it this morning that Seb sent. For goodness sakes. It's a bit closer than what I was originally going with. But, yeah, very different, <laughs> right? Very, yeah, very different. Um, um, so then, but moving on to this show, is like the opposite end lots of traditional <laughs> Irish music and and was that a, just a lovely thing to be part of oh it was so nice I think you know um, although I sound like I'm Yorkshire I'm from Northern Ireland and and where the play is set it's in a little town called Ballybeg which is a fictional town but it's actually based in a real town called Glenties which is where I spent most of my summers throughout my whole childhood oh, so we used to go to Glenties to go to the dance like the, the nightclub which was called the limelight which actually in the book is referred to as the kind of the dance hall you know because it's set in the 30s so it was it was a dance hall for years so there was loads of childhood connections to the countryside and the landscape and the people and like the characters in the play and also like a, you know it was one of the first um, plays that I ever saw at university but done by the third years so you have this kind of like role model and it's such a well written play and it's about memory and love and family and and it just sums up so much of Ireland for me so yeah when I oh. got asked to do the job I was kind of like yeah I'd love to I thought there would be a lot more kind of soundscapey stuff in there but actually as it gradually went on um, the, actually, the score has been mostly made up of cello, solo cello. Oh, really? Mm. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so what were you given? Quite a wide brief to begin with when you went in when you were started. Did they give you very clear pointers, or were you kind of left to, to sort of put your own stamp on it immediately? Yeah, I think. Um, uh, Josie, the director, is very open to anyone's interpretation and she seems to hire people that use their initiative and 
and bring something to the table rather than be directed. <coughs> oh, lovely. So it was a really nice open process in that sense that um, I kind of went off on one and sent her a load of demos and said, is this in the zone that you're thinking? And her reply was yes. So I just went off and recorded then. But yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't really expect it to be so kind of like... But I think what it worked really well and watching it last night as well, it just felt like the cello, I, I have to say, I recorded with a cellist called Alice Allen, who's based in Scotland. And uh, she really combines the Celtic folk with classical. So you get this almost like folk Baroque feeling. Oh, wow. Like a, yeah. And it's really earthy and really kind of feels of the land. And And the cello was just really important for that, like that, bringing out that depth of melancholy as well so so yeah just gradually I just started to strip everything away and it just became Alice basically um, but yeah in the script it's kind of dictated of like which tracks are used he's very uh, Brian feels very particular about it has to be this and that you know like there's a, a radio that's this the show is based around called Marconi it's like a 1930s set and um and so there's tracks that I had to read to work into the soundtrack and also the the cast themselves sing seven or eight songs so that was also part of my job was to teach oh, yeah, them the songs I was reading that you've been doing some leading song sessions that's been a lovely kind of thing to feel sort of part of the company and you know really as a full it's like a family there isn't it I love the yeah. National Theatre yeah it is it's yeah. really good it's amazing and yeah and I think like you know when they offered me the job I weirdly I'd been to see Brian Friel's translations in Belfast about two weeks before and I'd sat with my friend and said god I'd love to see Dancing at Lunasa again it's been years like 20 years and then then I got this call and I was like and then I found out who the cast were and and you know like Adela Hanlon massive TV hero of mine from being a kid and then you know there's girls from Derry Girls in yes. there and Siobhan McSweeney who I just adore anyway as an actor and a person so um so you can't really say no and even Wayne McGregor was doing the dance so like you oh, can't wow. like it was just one of those ones where I go I've got to do this this is amazing so um part of the process of that was like going through the script marking what I needed to do and, and one of those pieces was a traditional reel called the Mason's Apron which um I got an incredible fiddle player called Neve Dunn and her partner is a great guitarist Shauna Graham to do a version for me so that I could then take that away and layer up and make into this big dance scene that then Wayne did this uh, beautiful choreography with. Oh, that sounds cool. I'm, yeah, sorry, I'm just yeah. going off on no, one of it. It's so great. It is so, it's such an amazing show. I think, like, if you're into plays, it's it's mm. one to watch. And it's, you know, one of the most famous Irish plays. It's just, it's stunning. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. yeah, I love that the the mix of the choreography and then just the, the acting and the, and and like when you're so when were you there for a lot of the sort of rehearsal tech process as it was sort of all coming together and uh, like f like fixing problems and thinking oh I need to compose a little bit more music here or yeah doing stuff on the fly much like that yeah a lot on the fly like yeah. sometimes in the tech I had like two minutes to change a whole piece of music so. yeah. <laughs> but it's good it. I think from doing TV, I'm so I've got so fast at working. Like you, it's almost like your memory just logs alternative versions, so mm. that you know exactly where you can go. Which I wouldn't have had that skill a 
couple of years ago, I think, you know, from doing Midwitch and a couple of other things that it's really taught me how to kind of, yeah, keep a library of just what's going on so that if the director does give you that note, you can instantly react to it and keep everything flowing yeah so you're prepared so when they go i I think that's a bit so you need to cut that melody because it's getting in the way of this or something you've already you've thought ahead yeah well there's this yeah i know i wasn't sure when we went in so i was in rehearsals but there was no music tried out in rehearsals so when we went into tech which is i think probably a bit unusual um but when we went into tech and you're hearing it for the first time sometimes things don't work and then they do work and and sometimes you get the feels. And so, yeah, um, one of the things I had done was when I went up to Scotland to record Alice, I'd done a big session with her in terms of just layering and multi-layering so that I had so many stems that, yeah, if a melody wasn't working, I at least had the kind of harmonics and rhythms that she'd done underneath that then worked as like almost like memory clouds that just mm. float in as an actor's speaking. So it's not getting in the way. So, yeah, I learned a lot about, like, theatre in terms of, like, what, um, you know, opening the show, closing an act, opening an act. You need those moments and you also need things that are not going to get in, in way of the dialogue as well. So it was a little bit like before I started, I did a spotting session with myself of, like, <laughs> making a spreadsheet and, and then kind of planning out what might happen. But I think that's the most exciting thing is like sitting with a script and going, ooh, this could happen, this could happen. So, mm. so yeah, I was like ultra prepared for the, the fact that actually some stems got completely cut and some things remain. But actually the beauty of the National as well is they've started releasing records from the theatre show. Yeah. Oh. So they, they will put out uh, Dancing at Lunasa after the show is finished we'll do a record because there was so much music that we didn't get chance to use mm. oh that's great that's so, so live nice. on <laughs> yeah. in recorded form yeah. wonderful um, I was reading something you said that you were talking about power orchestra I think setting it about writing for the specific player rather than necessarily the orchestra for the, for the unfolding I think tell me if I'm misquoting you terribly here but, <laughs> <laughs> but actually thinking about the players that you had and who you were working with and and I wonder if does that sort of did that come in a bit into this uh, in Dance at Luna so well, well for the singing yeah. um, were you thinking about the personalities and the people you were writing for oh definitely yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's what I love about any art form when you're writing stuff I always and maybe it's like my Irish heritage I don't know but I always look for the story and I always look for the thing that you can connect with and the same with power orchestra yeah working with a particular singer that has a story and has a voice and how do you work that into your music and it's the same with yeah writing for characters and and people on stage you're not necessarily nobody would know that that's their theme because it's a little bit different that you can't write them a theme in theatre but you there's almost like an essence of like welcoming people to to Ballybeg and and making sure that on that first walk down I mean the set is amazing and there's a path that almost coming down from a field a hills of like corn into like the little cottage at the bottom where the stage is that you know there's a there's an essence of like, hello, we are here and welcome to this world. So you you are kind of combining all those characters together. Yeah. Which, you know, and, you know, like part, actually some of the stuff that got cut and I haven't put it on the record was the fact that the character of Father Jack, which is in a, a bizarre twist of fate, is played by Father Dougal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
he went he'd spent 25 years in Uganda so there was I'd recorded tons of African drums I got an amazing percussionist in I'd bought an embira instrument yeah. and like a thumb piano and used that but none of that got used it was kind of like it didn't need to be used it was yeah. I mean there was a tiny bit of drums that got used at the end of act one but that was about it. It was almost just like a, a hint of something. There must be some bits where you have some music coming in and maybe it's sort of almost subconscious and it, I don't know, just to like, uh, maybe a dramatic moment's happening and it's not like, here's a big theme. It's just yeah. like there's something in there and you, it makes the audience just sit, sit up. up. Yeah. yeah, like there's just like a, yeah, there's one, yeah, there's a, scene, a couple of scenes exactly like that where there was no music in the, because we've done two weeks of previews before it opened last night. So you, you're kind of watching it and, and the and the cast and the crew were all developing it in those mm. previews with audiences. And yeah, it became quite apparent that it needed some music, but not very much. And it's just literally like a tone on the cello that moves ever so slightly and it gives that essence of, oh, something is happening and, mm. and this this feeling of, like, the, what the cast are going through as characters. Yeah. So, yeah, really simple stuff, which I wasn't expecting it to be so simple because in TV you're, you're kind of doing a lot more mm. and I seem to do a lot of shows that need sound and music to carry the, the drama as well. So, yeah, I did strip, I have to strip back a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I just, when you mentioned, oh, whoops. Um, when you mentioned translations, I saw that at the National Theatre a few Did years you? ago. And my wife was, was depping on double bass on it. So I, and I, I went to watch it, she was playing. And it was the same kind of thing where um, it was about two minutes into the music playing that I even could detach myself from the story and being immersed. I go, oh, Charlotte's playing the bass. Because <laughs> you're just, it, you, you're in another part of your brain aren't you when you're watching yeah. a play you know even when you know how the sausage is made uh, with a show like it's <laughs> is that a nice <laughs> phrase what a lovely phrase <laughs> i think that's what you use too charlotte <laughs> when discussing her bass bristle in there yeah. well you know how the sausage is made to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but you somehow you can just separate yourself even you you know you could be able to walk backstage it's only like you know 30 yards away go backstage and you sing all the actors walking about but if you go and sit in the audience and you sit there and you just the lights come down and the story happens in front of you there's music and yeah, it's just magical. completely immersive but yeah it's amazing i just love it there have you spent a lot of time in that canteen Yes, over so the last good. few months. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you can't knock a roast dinner for four pounds. This like, is it. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that my card still works so that I can just go in every so often yeah. and get a cheap dinner. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to give mine back at all. <laughs> so they make the you fall. give it back, don't they? I've got mine. <gasps> But I think it's been deactivated. Oh. I know that's the problem. I don't know when mine's going to get deactivated. I'm going to be good if it does. Keep going. Keep yeah. trying. Keep trying. So good. <laughs> yeah, it's a lovely place to be. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you, are you? Is that it for you, the national on this run? Will you be dropping in every now and again just to check the they oh, press play at the right do time? You know what? I've got a couple of more visits to go in May, just so that I can bring family and friends, oh, meet lovely. up with yeah. people, and um, yeah, I do hope I can just. I mean, I won't be checking in on what's happening, but I'll be <laughs> definitely hoping to see some of the cast and say hello yeah, to the crew yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah. Was really it a good do last night then? It was. It was amazing. There was a lot of actors there. There was a couple from Derry Girls. And oh, yeah. 
a couple of actors I am so bad with names and I can't I know the faces and I can't say who they were um, <laughs> but and even like politicians like Ed Miliband was there and yeah. it's like one of those things you're just like wow everybody does Scrape. go to the national don't they yeah mm. it's amazing yeah I saw Neil Patrick Harris in the bar and I was so starstruck <laughs> I th- he, he looked amazing, by the yeah, way. He's, yeah, he's done well, hasn't he? Like, yeah. um, with his ageing. Oh, my God. He looks incredible. He's, done he's aged well, well is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Very well he's indeed. Well very chiselled. <laughs> very stylish. Like an Adonis, in fact. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. Um, but you've got another exciting thing going on as well at the moment. The residency <laughs> oh, at King's yeah. Place. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are many, many other ones, but here's one. And that, So I gathered that... So this year you, the, you previewed your album that was written during... Covid times um, yeah. for the first time this year actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, fur waves yes. yeah. at King's Place at as part King's of Place. as part of the residency. Mm-hmm. Fantastic! How was that actually getting it out there live? Really, really scary because <laughs> it's not like an, a record that's like you know it's not got a verse, chorus, verse, chorus or anything, and it's right. not scored, so you're not following paper. Like the power orchestra was easy to kind of follow the score. It, you know, I didn't have to kind of overly think about stuff but this was weeks of preparation just to get that one night like on 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 the go but you know the residency itself is really amazing I was working with them last year so that you know like even just like things like um adding artists to my thoughts of what would be really cool and they've booked so many people that the whole lineup for the year is insane it's just brilliant um brilliant music so and then part of it was that you have to do kind of three shows three different types of shows so going from someone who's been sat scoring for a long time and hasn't performed is quite scary yeah so i had to come up with these things that i was like oh my god so yeah to be able to do Fairwave live is incredible and they enabled that and actually we probably will do a few more gigs at the end of the year oh brilliant for it just to make it worth it because to do all that work to just one show and then just to not do it again um so yeah there will be some gigs coming up in in the autumn which is nice how did you do it then (laughs) was it just you or did you have other people on stage an amazing synthesis called hazel mills who's based in bristol and she actually played on the para orchestra live shows as well okay cool uh but she's like usually off with like florence and the machine or gold frap and Mm. Yeah, she's yeah, incredible. Cool. Since Queen, well. yeah, Since Queen. <laughs> totally. So um, she did it with me. Does she wear sunglasses um, on stage? She should. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely should. <laughs> she's cool enough. And like to a do silver that. suit. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd love to do that. <laughs> yeah, I do need to get her to wear more silver stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was just a, a lot of work. And Tim, who mixed the record and co-produced a couple of tracks, Tim Allen, he uh, helped MD it because there was no way I was going to be able to get my head out of doing other stuff and then go into live. So we went to, I went, well, we both went to his place in Bristol and worked it up for a couple of weeks and tried things out and he helped build the kind of the set and the pedals and, yeah. and everything. So I was really grateful to him for yeah. that. Because I guess if you're writing it at a time where you think it's probably or possibly yeah. not going to be performed. I never thought it'd be live. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a sudden shock, right? Yeah, and it just <laughs> floats around. It doesn't like have a structure and like the time signatures on our couple are very debatable and <laughs> and like even just like a click does not, you know, 
we had to really kind of shift everything in order to make it live, which is yeah. beautiful in itself, but also quite like scary. It's it's different. It's a different way of working. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, Did, uh, sorry. No, you carry. I was going to. I was going to. I was get technical. I, I, Go I don't on, do I should. But do it, Seb. But what is it? A bunch of synths on stage, uh, like sequences and like sample things. Um, and yeah, just synths on stage, and then actually what. I found is easiest because there were so many sounds of the record that were sampled from the original um, record, the electrosonic record, yeah. with like the radiophonic workshop. That in order to recreate that, I had to, we had to make MIDI instruments. So I actually have, although I hate saying it, have a MIDI keyboard on stage, but that triggers all the. So I'm playing the original sounds of the original record. Yeah, and you know, I just wish it looked better midi keyboards are never going to look no. better are they but, but um silver suit sunglasses just yeah, saying <laughs> but you know at the end of the day it's music and it's a yes, show quite. so but it's that's been interesting in order to build that so we had to run a lot off ableton in order to kind hmm. of get that going yeah. and then i've got a load of pedals and things that my violin goes through because i play violin on it so there's kind of like sounds there that I didn't want to recreate, but they work on the violin through through noisy things. <laughs> yeah. um, and vocal harmonizer, because there's a lot of vocals on the record, like layers of vocals. So um, I used a really gorgeous uh, a Meris pedal, a Hydra. So, um, and you can just trigger that with MIDI and it plays all the chords with your voice. Wow. So that was really interesting to use. However, because we've not done it in a live environment, <laughs> the problem with it was... <laughs> Every time I pressed a key, it picked up the rest of the room. So Aye. I pressed a key and then you would get this almost chord without me singing just because it had picked up the, the monitors and things. So I don't know how I'm going to deal with that when I go to festivals and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was great. It worked. It was It'll be different every time though, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for the first show, it was so nerve-wracking. Yes. Like it was, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how long had it been since you'd performed on the stage? Well, I did the last gig I did was with the Power Orchestra in July, but that was yeah. it was different. Was that a festival? Yeah, that... we did the Blue Dot Festival. We right, opened yeah, yeah. the Thursday night at the at Amazing. Bank. It was incredible. Yeah, I'm so proud of that show and them as well for mm. you know being there on that stage. It was such a special moment. Well, that is an incredible piece. It absolutely yeah, stunning. Love Thank that, you. Yeah. It's so, it's just so I was listening to it this morning again and it was just there's just so many <coughs> different layers to it. It's, it's just brilliant. I love that because it's like a oh, it's just such a naff word. It's like a journey, right? <laughs> isn't it? Because it actually is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, sort of that, that, that was cool. That was written thing. in lockdown mostly. Yeah. Like I think I just used that whole time off to just do stuff. It's so rare for me not to be travelling about. And I just, you know, as sad as it was, I loved lockdown. I just loved being at home and being in the spring and summer and having time to actually... I don't think that record would have happened without lockdown. Right. Because it took, you know, it took four years to make, but actually three three of those years were just kind of me kind of mulling over it and doing some R&D with the power orchestra and... And I, it took that space to actually sit down and go, right, okay, it probably would have been a different record otherwise. It just seems from looking at all of the things you're doing, there's so many mm -hmm. strands. It must be very hard, actually, to have that time to just even kind of go polar, this is what I'm doing, this is... Yeah, I find it hard to settle, and it's yeah. uh, something I need to address. I've definitely kind of got to that point where I'm like, 
I can't keep doing this. But then, you know, you get a show like Dancing at Lunasa where they're like, you need to be in London for four weeks, five weeks. And you're like, okay. Yeah. You can't say no, but, well, you could, but I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It's exciting though, isn't it? And yeah. It just drives you to carry on. But I, yeah. I mean, that must be the constant battle, isn't it? For, you, for all musicians in kind of whatever role you have within the industry is getting balance. It's just, it's Very nigh on hard. impossible, isn't it? Very mm. hard. And there's very few weeks in the year where you go, right, I've got that just right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very difficult. There's, and, you know, as, as we know, there's a lot to do with admin mm. and a lot of emails, a lot of, like, spreadsheets and, and things to keep an eye on everything. And that's, you know, how I work is to really try and formulate everything because otherwise it just becomes a mess. Yeah. It's, you know, I can't work at this level without like severe organization skills <laughs> yes. and i've learned those skills over time but and that's the sort of thing no one tells you when you start out that you need to manage yourself as a business you need to think uh, almost entrepreneurial what you are going to do next where you're going to go how people look at you as almost as a brand mm. and you don't want to say that and i know a lot of musicians if you said that to them they were like i'm never going to do that and I, I definitely had that cockiness when i first graduated of like I'm never going to be pinholed into this but you really do have to think about what's next and what's the next stage and where you want to be in the next five years and and how that affects your life and I've definitely got to that age now where I'm looking at my life going is music the whole sole purpose of my life and yes it is but do I want a little bit of difference like yeah. I want to go and learn snowboarding and I want to go and do other things that actually make me human rather than just sitting in a studio yeah. <laughs> so, so like yeah I've got to I've managed to work so hard that I can get to that stage where I can start to almost shape how I want a year to go yeah which is like such a gift such very a gift. exciting in mm. itself that yeah do you do you sit down and and in the morning do you sort of plan out what you're going to do that day do you, or do you have a weekly schedule I know every, every week's going to be different but do you try if you're sitting in if you've got a day in the studio would you sort of sit down and write okay I've got to get this done today I've got to try and do some yeah. exercise or whatever I need to do yeah <laughs> like do you just try like, otherwise because you, you know you can get distracted by so many things you oh. could just put, play with a, a delay pedal for 10, 10 hours or something yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's, I, I do have to have days where I'm going to dedicate it to just play mm. because otherwise you kind of get a little bit stuck yeah. and you feel like you're drained and you've got nothing left to give but yeah usually it is a kind of thing like all oh, right you know I, I'm going home today and I know that I have a couple of scores that I need to do uh, for an artist like orchestration stuffs and I know I've got a month and a half to do it but I know if the sooner I get it done the easier my life will be so so yeah it just there's a lot of kind of pre-planning of like this is happening in june you need to make sure that by mid-april you're actually doing it because otherwise you're going to end up in a stress mm -hmm. so i've got much better at planning yeah. but yeah no, i'm not good at like every day get up do this do this and this but i do know i've got a rough idea mm. of like right this week i'm going to do that and i know what now to accept and not accept and and how to manage that that is good are you yeah. somebody who finds it easier to are you good at hitting deadlines kind of last minute you like a short space of time to get something done or do you like to see that you've got a while and manage your time God, it's shifted i Has used it? to be really this like i'll only work up to a deadline and i would do it last minute and now i cannot do that i have to do it early on yeah not like um 
loads early on. I think it's like just almost the men- mental space. Yeah. I have to dedicate to it. And I'll spend weeks mulling in my head and not doing anything. And and it's just there until you actually get the chance to sit down and go, right, okay, I think I've got an idea. But, yeah, there's a lot of... Um, I, I, I find, like, it's just too stressful. And I've really started to notice that I had a really bad burnout last year and I've never had burnout before. I'm normally quite good at just, like, going next, 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 and next. And it just hit me. Mm. It was like it, it just slipped through the window at night and... And just crept in and I didn't notice it was there. And I've n- never felt, so, I've just never felt that physicality before. Yeah. And so, I've, you know, since that, I've had to really just watch exactly where things are going and what, what's happening to not do that thing of like, right, last minute dot com. Yeah. I find it's just too it's much. Are you trying to say no to things? I mean, obviously, you must have to say no to a lot of things um, because I'm, yeah, you're that's... very much in demand. But it's a... You know, it's natu- naturally you want to say yes to stuff, and you know. But how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's really disappointing sometimes because I just know that the stuff that I want to do, but I just I know that this is not possible. And also, like, um, I think I've got better. I think when you when you're younger and you're starting out, I sound like I'm really old, but I'm not. <laughs> like, but you know that like you you really want to do everything because you want the experience and you want to like kind of hone your craft and there's almost a kind of need to find out what you're good at as well and and I've got more kind of focused in the way that I'm like well I want to do this by this kind of time and does this enable me or is it kind of negatively enabling like it, mm. it it's it's that choice of like will this have an, a lasting effect like, I mean doing theatre is an amazing experience but it doesn't have a lasting effect like doing a film or doing a record because those are things that sit there for a few years and mm. germinate and then you get to play them live whereas like theatre is just of that moment and you're dedicating you know I've been on it for three months now mm. and after that when it's over what happens to it mm. so that there's almost a choice of like what happens like will I do that kind of string commission for that one performance but what does it do after that so so there is that level of of thinking ahead I think that yeah. wasn't present and that's very much a group decision with my manager or my live agent as well or my film agent because they are it's taking up time out of their work as well and we obviously work together so if you're you know going off and doing a play I can't work for my film agent and I can't do anything for him so there is a that kind of choice it's not just your own choice anymore yeah and it're a business like you you are you are supplying things to other people as well mm. so, and yeah. do you have assistance now do you, oh. do you you know do you like outsource a bit of orchestrating or a yeah. bit of yeah yeah I would do yeah I've got I work with a, a wonderful musician called Ben Corrigan and he doesn't I don't like to call him an assistant no. but I don't know what to call him because <laughs> he's just like a a, a colleague col- a colleague uh, uh, like a collaborator yeah, comrade yeah, that's it. yes yeah and he's amazing at orchestration and he's very very good at everything logic and digi- digital and when I, when I need him, I'm like, can you can you do this? And he's up, he's up for that. So, and but he has said like lately, oh, like you know, I might need to just pass on the assisting thing because a lot of it is just setting up a system so that you can go in and compose. Like he's just taking away a week's worth of admin almost. But yeah, I, I mean, it, that kind of work is invaluable. 
I, I wouldn't be able to do it all without some help mm. in some regards. Especially like Midwich was a bit different because it was all electronic. So I had a, a great music editor called Ed Hamilton on it, as well as Ben. So Ben would kind of set up my sessions so that I could go straight in and, and write. And then Ed would take sessions that scenes that had music in that did not need me to write new music for, and he would just edit it from all the stems previous. So, ah, so that meant yeah. that there was this kind of working machine. And without those two people, it would have took twice as long to do everything. Yeah. So it just clears a bit of headspace as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. How, I haven't done a score where you have to do orchestral recordings, and then uh, as well as the score because. That it takes Midwich was great because it took it was only myself. I didn't have to then outsource it to an orchestra, plan yeah. in the recording sessions, get that mixed, uh, and deliver in time. Like I just don't know how that's possible mm. for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Whereas like in theatre, the book stops with the director. Hmm. That's, that's it. Their choice, their decisions. Whereas in film and TV, it's it's the funders and everybody else that yeah. has the, the higher power in some respects. And and so, yeah, it is a harder like a process. Actually, what, working with Ed, the music editor, was really good for me because I didn't get the notes directly. So when you submit a cue or any cue, you can get hundreds of notes back from different people and what he was able to do was just kind of collate that and make it make sense of it so that mm. I kind of got of like oh I only need to change like one little thing rather than you know kind of looking at all these different notes from people going oh, yeah. make it like happier make it da, 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 you know and and you kind of that could confuse you and stress you out as a composer so I conducted a similar sort of thing but uh doing it was doing a late uh, lame's gala kind of performance and he had uh, Schoenberg on one side and he had one of um, Cameron McIntosh's team on the other oh and they were but one of them was saying could you take this slower and the other one was saying make it faster and he was like that <laughs> in the middle had a very calm veneer it was extraordinary how he kept it together wow. but literally contradictions in both ears <laughs> oh god what do I do with my hands I don't know nightmare did you um did you get a little taste of it when you were doing the Game of Thrones documentary though Did, were you having to deal with that kind of um, you would think so because it was such a massive production yeah I mean huge uh, but no the, the the documentary team was very small and Jeannie Finley the director is very hands-on knows what she wants and she's just I have to say incredible to work with 
she's very, very open, but also, you know, gives you clear indication of what is needed. And, oh, and, and yeah, so it was literally, you know, mostly my conversations were just her. And I met the producer, there was two producers that worked on it, but that was, it's very small. But she had to answer, obviously, to HBO and all the the execs and the producers and produce something that they all were proud of. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it was fantastic to work on something so big, but with such a tiny team. So, like, yeah. Jeannie and myself went to the Emmys and it was just so much fun. It was just such a great celebration. Because, obviously, as well, like, you're never... You know, you get nominated for stuff, but you're not the you're not the sole person. Like you might make the music, but it's everybody else's comments and and contributions that count. Um, yeah, that's so great. You went. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Was it? Yeah. Wow. And she's really good at. I'm terrible at faces and names. Yeah. And she's really good at spotting people. And she literally was like this person is in this and da, 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 and we're going to go say hello and we're going to get a picture and I was like, okay. So, so, who, so go who, go on. Oh, choice. Like, like, choice a, like the drag queens, she knew yes. all the names of the drag yeah. queens and we went and met them and got our pictures done with them and it was, it, and, um, See, I can't even remember. <laughs> it was another TV show that was there because we were in the TV show category rather yeah. than the, the like, um, sorry, the kind of factual category rather than the, the, you know, where the rest of the Game of Thrones people and actors were. Yeah. We were the day before. So, yeah, reality TV and stuff. But she just was like on it. So, because I was thinking at the beginning when I got the nomination, I was like, <laughs> that's your speciality, isn't it? Re reality oh TV. My God. That just sounds like a dream. Yeah. Being there. It was, fun. It yeah. was a lot of fun. And I bet they went for it as well, because that's the thing. Probably on the reality side, lots of those guys, it might be their first yeah. or whatever. They would have gone for it, I imagine. Yeah, the outfits yeah. were incredible yes. and like people wore a lot more colour, whereas I think the the next one, the next day is a lot more kind of like glam and because yeah. people are getting photographed for magazines and stuff, whereas I think, yeah, the one I went to just seemed like a lot of fun. Did you have something lovely to wear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I borrowed a dress from a designer called Kitty Joseph, who I've borrowed quite a lot from and she makes like rainbow coloured items and so I had this huge velvet rainbow uh, I almost like a curtain <laughs> but it just like draped over a shoulder and was like floor length and it, it was beautiful oh that's so amazing it was I say it was like a curtain only because the weight of it was so heavy <laughs> and it was in like 30 degree heat so it was it was very hot but yeah, stunning. So worth it, though. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, we've got a listener question, actually. We put a little shout-out oh, on really? uh, Instagram. Uh, this is from Ira. She's actually an amazing uh, electronic Ira. Yeah, I love her music. Yeah, she's awesome, yeah. yeah. Well, she asked, how did you get into the soundtrack world? Oh. Maybe she wants to get into it, too. Yeah. So. Um, well, she's already in it, is she not? She's, oh, like, had she? tracks played on... Oh, and she's definitely sang on a couple of soundtracks as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a good question, Ira, and hello. <laughs> uh, I guess, like, I always wanted to do it. And um, when I was younger, after I graduated, I applied to do a master's in film composition because I thought that was the way I could get in because I didn't know anybody that composed for film. I was not of that world at all. And 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 I did the audition and I didn't get in. And it, and it really was, like... I don't know I was kind of like oh this is not for me kind of thing but the feedback that came back it was a classical college that did the course and they came back and they were like you just don't have the orchestration skills needed like 
in terms of classical training because I've been to Lippa, which is more of a pop college. And I was like really kind of gutted about it because I just thought, well, actually, shouldn't you shouldn't need just scoring skills. Like, why do you need to just be able to score orchestras all the time? Mm. So, but anyway, somebody on the panel rang me, a young, uh, probably one of the young kind of professors at the time. I don't remember his name, but he uh, rang and just said, look, you're really good at what you do. You obviously have a passion for it, but you need to develop your own sound and you'll get into it that way rather than going this route. And so I was like, okay, that's fair enough. And, uh, you know, after a year or so, I kind of started making music boxes, um, just found a music box that was writing music for a play, actually. And uh, and I thought, oh, I'll just do Tainted Love as a bit of a laugh. And I made that on the music box and sang it and recorded it in my bedroom. And then I ended up doing an EP of like four kind of 80s songs and put it out called a, a remix record called Rebox. And it just kind of got picked up by some music supervisors and got put out by a label. And then it got synced on some adverts. And and it was almost like a gift because I was like, oh, I really wanted to do this kind of thing. And I never quite got to do it. And now it's it's going in a different direction. So once that started to happen, you know, you start to meet more people and... And I just got to know more music supervisors and then I got to kind of do some title music for some like BBC children's shows and things. And then I got asked if I wanted to do some additional scenes to help out somebody. And then eventually, uh, in fact, it was Jeannie in 2018 when she came to me about Game of Thrones because she wanted to use the music box as the opening title sequence of the film. And she said, would you be interested in scoring it? And I literally was like, yes, this is you know, I've always wanted to score. No one's given me the chance. You know, you're always under somebody or doing it for somebody else. And um, and it was because of that that then, you know, I got the Emmy nomination and got an agent. So, you know, I'd done like little things before, like little short films, but that was my way in of... Um, and actually, they, I think I've, I've done it in the right way for me because it's more personable. You make connections with people those music supervisors I'm still in touch with and I see and I love music supervisors because they have an amazing amount of music in their heads because they're constantly syncing stuff so their playlists are brilliant and huge and especially doing the radio broadcasting you know I know that world now where you constantly are drawing on different ideas and themes and and I think what their jobs are is really exciting because they're really into music. Most of them are musicians that are really into film, but they maybe wouldn't go and score. But yeah, they can contribute and make it all happen and pull it together. It's a really cool job. Yeah, mm. great. That's amazing to hear that. Yeah. So out of out of a f- failure from getting into something, it sort of re it, that could be the the best thing actually. Sometimes to be okay, what what do I want to do? And then you crafting these music boxes and like a real labour of love right and yeah then, doing and then something just, for the love of it yeah yes, exactly. and, that's, and that's what this all has just grown out of it's, yeah. it's brilliant yeah. yeah so maybe thank goodness you didn't get into that place it could have been completely wrong and put you off I think so yeah. you know or yeah. it could have been very stiff couldn't it I think I would have struggled I don't think I'm part of that conservatoire environment. Even now, you know, sometimes when I'm doing sessions with different orchestras, I I do feel that almost like, I know it's ridiculous, but almost that working class background, I don't seem to fit in with a a lot of, you know, the choice of orchestras that I use are are more, because it is more conversational and you get more back from people. Whereas when I've conducted things that are a little bit more stiff, I've, I've really felt that, 
uh, insecurity actually yeah and yeah. not enjoyed it as much and I don't think then the performance is as good yeah because I'm not used to that world oh so. I think that's completely normal feeling I completely mm. see that yeah it's it's mad actually yeah. I hope and I always think I hope things are changing there's more <coughs> blurring of borders between different genre and different yeah. time but it, the old stereotypes are true aren't they yeah so, it's a shame yeah. It really yeah. is. I've conducted some orchestras that some of the players wouldn't even look at you. Oh. And and you just think, why are you here? This is music. You know, it's just a bit sad, isn't it? Interact really? with shame. me. Or like, yeah. yeah. And you, you start to think, God, are they just looking at me because I'm, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just literally pretending that I know how to conduct. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've got away with it for so long now. <laughs> I blame Paul Weller because he, I'd never conducted like a, an orchestra before and then when I did the scores for him for his record he was like yeah you're conducting and I was like oh my god <laughs> and I, I rang Charles Hazelwood of Power Orchestra and said Charles how do I do it and he was just like look you've got a drummer there all you're doing is just bringing people in just enjoy it and dance and bring people in and that's what I did and I watched a couple of videos on YouTube and found out how to you know do certain moves and was like right this one's in 6-8 how do I look how do I do that <laughs> and you know obviously I've grown up playing instruments and being conductors so it's not like it's a new thing but yeah. when you're the leader and so yeah I've, I've gradually got used to the fact that actually it's more just a vibe thing and I'm just there to kind of encourage people and get the right performance but yeah I wouldn't I would never stand up and do a, a conducting a job without a guest knowing there's a backing track and knowing there's things to play to I couldn't lead it just off the back of being a conductor no way <sighs> No. Do you ever have you ever done any conducting? Only at people's weddings. Yeah. You know, where they just say, Oh, we need someone to conduct this thing while someone walks down the aisle. What kind you know? of weddings are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been to a lot of brass players' weddings. Ah, you know, yeah. And uh there was um I remember get, um a friend of mine, uh, well two friends of mine, Kai and Vic, um, Isfrin. They're they're both trumpet players, but they both started on Cornet and they had uh, Share My Yoke. You know that piece? It's like yeah. a beautiful brass band. Um, play brass band piece, but with a cornet soloist. So, um, yeah, I conducted that. And uh, Dave Gagan played cornet. I don't know if you know him. Um, he, um, yeah, but, but I mean, beautiful. And, and that's the thing about playing at people's weddings. You get these most amazing ensembles that that most people would never be able to have because it would just cost thousands yeah. of pounds to have yeah. it's always some random assortment of instruments because it's like well they're going to be there so let's get them to play <laughs> yeah. and you've got like you know seven clarinets and it's yeah. <laughs> but but they're all incredible musicians and it's been specially arranged and so but yeah I had to conduct that but I think I did it right yeah, I, it I, I, I watched back the video and and it's all like <laughs> like like all just because you're not meant to pivot from your elbow from your what's that armpit yeah, yeah. <laughs> shoulder shoulder, shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I had it I had it all wrong I feel but. like I look really pincy if I like got really pincy quite camp movements if um, I do something completely different yeah. the 16th of June <gasps> yeah Na that date ringing a few bells for you yeah, yeah I can't wait for this so exciting yeah fully improvised yeah performance yeah I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do but <laughs> I never improvise <laughs> like I love this because because oh, before we, we we met in for a coffee earlier and and Verity said that that sounds like a fever dream yeah. for, for you like an yeah, absolute yeah. nightmare but That's you right. sound very excited about it oh no it's a nightmare <laughs> oh right <laughs> 
I'm excited because Bebe's doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Bebe Wang is like the most incredible classical Chinese percussionist and she's an improviser. So I'll be in safe hands. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so scared. Yes, put it lightly. <laughs> Have you met up and No, we've anything? not. No, we've not. Uh, I, so I've worked with the Manchester Collective and yeah. we've just got a record that's going to come out this year that I produced with them and wrote them a piece. And Bebe was recording on that piece, on that rec- album. And I just loved her and I just thought she was really great. And the piece is written uh, about Japan, even though I've never been there. It was just me kind of imagining Japan and the neon lights. I'd found a story about a, a guy based in Tokyo, an old guy who had a, a huge kind of factory of workers making neon lights. And that, and in his old age, it had just gone down to him because that art form is dying out. And I loved the fact that it was me- made with like electricity and breath and hand-shaped and I just thought it was a beautiful kind of subject matter. But Bebe had said that every time she's been to Tokyo and she's, uh, she said it, she just got shivers from the piece and she was like, oh, surely you've been? And I was like, no. And she was like, it just reminds me of being in Tokyo, like listening to it. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, when this kind of opportunity came up, I was like, look, do you want to do something and we'll base it around landscapes imaginary landscapes places that we want to go to so at some point in the next month we will probably be in touch and discuss where we could do and maybe create almost like kind of concepts for each piece almost just to give us an overview of what we might create but yeah completely improvised and yeah I've no idea I don't know I don't ever improvise in front of people I hate it but I just felt like the right opportunity to try something. And, you know, I think there's a beauty about inviting an audience and saying, look, we have no idea what's going to come out. You may get an absolute pile of crap or <laughs> yeah. you may love it. So who cares? At least it's something yeah. like, that's pushing. And, you know, I think in my head, I'm like, I want to do something with her anyway. Like, you know, whether it be a score or like a recording or something. So this is a good tryout. Yeah. Have you got yeah. any idea of what instruments you're going to play? <clears throat> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no idea. I think like um, I'm going to have to drive over from Northern Ireland and bring a load of synths, things that I feel comfortable and maybe create kind of almost like a home setup, mm. and just be able to play and have things looped. And I don't know, I'm going to have to think about it in a while, you know. Yeah, yeah not yet. Now. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. Um, and you're saying it's going to be more than one, so you're going to, more than one piece rather. So it's not going to be like one long. Don't know. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it could, yeah. you never know. It could just be that it ends up being a half hour piece. Yeah. And it doesn't have any gaps. But I have a funny feeling we probably will find places to resolve something. Yeah. Especially if you've got a rhythm that's going, she's going to need a break. <laughs> and I'm going to give her a break. She might be like, your turn to do something. And I'll be like, oh. But, Just down, downing tools. Come yeah. on then. <laughs> but like, that? yeah, if you've ever seen her perform, she does big concertos and things. And I just, she's just phenomenal. She just blows me away. So it's yeah. very exciting. Do you ever find that actually just some things, you just can't get them to blend certain instruments? Just, I like brass works really nicely with electronics, as you've, you've worked with that yeah. before. I don't know, do you ever, have you ever found some things that it's just, like you want it to work? Or maybe you just need to tweak the synth sound to just... Yeah, I've not found nothing that works. I think that's Mm. really interesting. I think you do have to 
I almost treat the synthesizers as an, an orchestral instrument anyway, so I don't see any kind of divide between the instrumentation. But yeah, you're right. Like I think there's, it's a certain sound palette that can work with certain instruments, the tones, the mm. overtones, the kind of harmonics that are produced and you can really blend that with a synthesizer. I, I like, you know, I don't like it when you kind of get the the big kind of dance DJs that do orchestral recordings. Oh, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like they just don't blend. Like there's this kind of separation and it's just for show hmm. so like musically I don't sonically I don't like listening to that but yeah I think there's a real beauty in in finding the balance I think it's really exciting actually yeah. it's like electricity and it's energy it's the same as us putting the energy into our instruments it's yeah it all comes from a, a kind of that sounds very hippie but like you know <laughs> like it comes from the ether it's the it's almost like the dark matter yeah like pulsing away and and feeding itself into the instruments and our bodies. Yeah. yeah. So. It's like the midwitch cuckoos again, isn't it? <laughs> All comes back. It comes for, yeah. All comes back. <laughs> but the, yeah, but when you're when you're mixing stuff together, producing stuff, you know, within whatever door you're using or whatever to get technical again, uh, I didn't need to even mention that. Yeah, but basically what I'm what I'm talking about is like the creating that sound world where you've got things that are electronic or maybe they're within your computer. But then you've got some instruments that are recorded in a nice room somewhere. So that, that's got a bit of reverb. And then blending those two kind of aspects together. Are there challenges there? Or do, you, do, you, do you just whack a load of reverb on it and it all kind of glues together? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I'm always of the mindset that the nuances of stuff are really great. Um, hmm. My first record... You know, I'd never made a record. I'd done the EP, the Rebox EP, but my first album was done with Mike Lindsay. He's a great producer. He's now based in Margate, but he's worked with just some amazing people, made amazing records. And he he was just like, he's just like this live wire in a room. Like he bounces around the room as he's producing. It's just fabulous. And, you know, from that stage, things that were mistakes and things that were wonky, he just was like, put it in just get it in it sounds great it's different and I, I've always kept that there as a kind of like yeah I do love the things like when you've got a broken synth and it it makes these weird noises and it's almost part of the character so yeah there is an element of like and also finding the right I tend to not mix I tend to do what I everything is possible produce as much as possible but then I will always give it to a mixer because I think that it's it's important, A, to sit back and have that headspace when they're mixing, just sit and listen to it. You get an overview, you're able to cut bits out, add things in um, and finding the right producer. And, and a lot uh, a lot of my soundtracks in particular are mixed by a guy called Michael Keeney, who's based in Northern Ireland, who I just happen to know. And he's just a genius at orchestral arranging, but mm. also is a record producer. So he's like mixes these worlds, he understands them. So there is a, a certain level of like he I know that if there is that kind of disjointedness between something, he will he will be able to kind of balance it in a way with the EQs and stuff that will make it blend. Um, I was speaking to one of my quartet, George, who I who's done some power orchestra stuff. So you may have met him. George White, viola player. I don't know if you know him. It's Tom Wraith. Maybe not. Anyway, that's by the by. I said to him <laughs> that we were chatting to you today and he said, oh, great. And I thought, oh, he's got a really interesting question. I can't wait to hear. And he went, I follow a dog on Instagram. And I was like, 
That's what you've got. That's what you've got for me. Thanks, George. Great. That's amazing. But then I did look up your lovely dog on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> Are you going back to him today? It's Bertie, isn't it? Bertie. Oh. Made a, he was named after Robert Moog. Oh, oh yeah. Bertie Moog. He's, his official name is. Um, <laughs> but he's now affectionately known as Mr. Bert. Because that's he just seems to have a Mr. Bert about him. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, my parents look after him for me now. Oh, so sweet. they have a cocker spaniel. My family are cocker spaniel mad. Like my whole family, I think there's about ten cockers in the family. I love like, them. They're mad though, aren't they? Yeah, cockers. mad. Yeah, it's yeah. very suiting for my family. <laughs> but Bert is like the kind of the odd one out, but thinks he's a cocker spaniel now. So. <laughs> But he just loves Ruby, my mum and dad's dog. So he, you know, they they will bring him to me this weekend and oh, I get cuddles. Sweet. But yeah, yeah, I don't get to see, I, I can't, I travel so much. No, too so. hot. But he loves being in the studio, like, you know, because since he was a puppy, he's always sat behind me in the studio and slept. And that's why I wanted to whip it, because they sleep a lot, they don't bark, they're not yappy, they're like, they like a good run and then they'll sleep. And he has his favourite chair that he sits and looks out the view of the window every day. And he's just the best. But yeah, when he was young, he was constantly behind me sleeping. And I'd be playing music and he'd literally be going... (laughs) In his sleep, like dog singing. And it was just like the best thing, like to just be sat there and like go... This little voice coming from nowhere. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. So yeah. So he's really used to music and in fact likes it. I think, you know, if I'm working, he very much likes to be behind. Yeah. So it's it's a nice feeling. That's good. Yeah. Uh, can you tell which ones he's keen on and then ones not so much? And ambient drone music. That's his thing. Yeah. Great. I always start singing on ambient drone music. <laughs> it's weird. It's so weird. But it's brilliant. Suits his character. (laughs) Have you recorded him? Like, you put it in something? No. No. I mean, he's not. Yeah, I I did. uh, I was doing some radio actually, and I was playing a a Lawrence Crane track. Yeah. And and then he started singing to that. So I I did film it and sent it to Lawrence and said, Look, (laughs) my dog loves your music. (laughs) You are listening to Three in a Bar. We talk to musicians about their lives. If you like this show, you can give us. Five stars on iTunes or a cast or other things like that. Yeah, I saw you performing the little YouTube clip of the at the Mercury's. Oh, great yeah. outfit, great performance, the whole thing. And are you going to be? Might they possibly ask you to perform at the iPhone? Yeah, because they had live performance last yeah. time, didn't they? Yeah. No, I don't. I doubt it because it's um, soundtrack, isn't it? Oh. So I don't know if they would. I wouldn't say yes anyway. No, it's like a month away, and I. Oh got God, it's soon. No, no. Yeah, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't want to. But I think they've already pre-planned that mm. in terms of like not maybe not with the nominees, but you know special awards and things oh, that yes. they give out. But yeah, yeah, and it's going to be cool because Lauren Levin's hosting. I think great. So, so yeah. that'll be fun. Yeah, mm. I think the cool. Ivers is really special. I think you know if anybody out there has a chance to go to them or is invited as a guest because it's quite a closed event like there's no photography or paparazzi that are allowed in so a lot of big artists go there because they know that they can chill and have a drink and have a good time and Mm. it's a really nice like the the amount of inspirational speeches I've heard when I've been there as a guest you know Nile Rodgers and and things are just it's very inspiring 
it kind of like that. I think that's why I'm so excited about this one because I, I was always like, God, if I ever got nominated for anything, I'd love to be nominated for an Ivor because, and I'd, in my head, I was like, by the time I retire, if I ever retire, that is what I would have liked to have got. So it's just amazing that Midwich has been nominated. It's really. so good. Yeah. Mm. Hurrah. Hurrah. Congratulations. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Hannah? Thank you, Hannah. Lovely to meet you, mm. speak to you about music. Uh, great, great stuff. Yeah, great stuff. really great. Um, good luck at the Ivan Novellos. I hope she wins that. When is that? Probably soon. It must be really soon, isn't it? Oh, hi, this is Verity here with a little emergency voice note for you. Hannah did indeed win that Ivan Novello Award. Hooray! And massive congratulations. So well deserved. Oh, yes, let's tell them. Okay. Because, so, the thing is, it's it's fine from June. It's just right now, it's the middle of May, and I'm right in rehearsals. And actually, I still, I think I'll be in rehearsals till till sort of the middle of June. So yeah. We 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 got to keep this going. This we, podcast, we do. We got to keep keep uh, keep the balls in the air. I might forget how to speak otherwise. I've already. Yeah. Sp- well, I mean, I, I've been that. I'm not acting. Oh, you've I've been got acting a few lines. though. You've I've got been a few speaking. Lines, but Have you? Do you want to? Can you do one of them now? Don't think I'm allowed. Oh. <laughs> but you've got all the instruments. You're juggling many balls, aren't yeah, you, at the moment? Yeah. yeah. The play, by the way, is called "When Winston Went to War with the Wireless." <sighs> great name and it's written by jack thorne who has done lots of very good things he he wrote harry potter and the cursed child amazing he's written there's a new stranger things play coming out soon oh has he done that he wrote that wow and he's he wrote things like skins he amazing. also wrote oh he's, oh he's done loads loads of stuff and where He's is it? <coughs> oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! This hay fever. It's terrible. It really gets you at the just back of the throat. Yeah. yeah. I just had it on the tube, and everyone was looking at me like, COVID times. Oh yeah, no! Yeah. Come on, guys. I know. Come on, get over it. Katie Rudd is the director. Yeah. She's excellent. She's done lots of things like the ocean at the end of the lane, and she's worked on Curious Incident, the dog in the nighttime. Yeah. And she worked on Groundhog Day. All kinds of stuff. Uh, so it's uh, it's brilliant cast. You know, everyone's great. You know, oh. and I'm there, sort of going, wow, sort of out of my depth here. No, um, do you just feel like you're learning though all the time? Learning, just learning. Learning. I'm, I'm an AI. I'm an IRL AI machine. Just, <laughs> just every day. Okay. All oh, right. Yeah. I'm finding though. I'm having to to work. I'm working using my instincts. Yeah. My just my because I can't work on the trumpet stuff. Right. Which is like all the, the usually my, my training I've done all, all the years. And it's, yeah. oh, I just, I can play that because I've practiced that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's like, no, hardly any trumpet, actually. It's like, do this. You're, you're, you're in this situation. You've got to What do you have to do on the double bass? I'm excited by this element. Well, you'll have to come and see. I will come and see. I am coming to see it. I can't wait. And, uh, yeah, anyone that wants to come and see it. It's uh, at the Donmar Warehouse, It's at the Donmar Warehouse. Excellent theatre. It's Like, cool. you've it's gone in big. Mm. Starting your acting career right up there. <laughs> None of this schmincy, I don't know what that I word didn't, is, little It's not theater. an Amdram thing it's on the not, weekend, is it? No, it's very much not that. It's a proper job. That's great. It's a proper job. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, yeah, it's cool. I'm really enjoying it. It's um, 
I've got a very remarkable insect on my foot. It's just you have? What is it? It's like half spider, It's half... like a scarab. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, a scarab beetle. So, yeah, um, tickets are selling quite quickly. So if you want to come and see me, um, I, I'm not starring in it, but I'm, I'm in the ensemble. You are? Your face is on the, the thing where, the, where they put everyone's faces. <laughs> you not, know. Not on the poster. Maybe not on the poster, but like when they promote this thing, your face is in one of those squares. Yeah, I'm a little square. You are a little square. <laughs> I'm there on the on the Rubik's cube of um, it's yeah. not a Rubik's cube, <laughs> a grid, the a grid. face the face grid. Yeah, I'm there. Uh, it's very nice. Enjoying it. It's yeah. a whole different thing to, to, to play music. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm doing. So because of that. Mm-hmm. Ferris has got a plan. Oh, I've got a plan, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Just so we can keep, you know, giving you what you're asking for. Maybe you're not, actually. But I am going to do a little sort of sub-series, I guess, of episodes with a guest presenter every week. There's, well, I know. None of them will cut the mustard, will they? (laughs) But we'll give them a chance. It's like work experience. I shouldn't say all this now, should I? They're all going to be very angry and say, actually, I've changed my mind. But you'll you'll know, if you've listened to our back catalogue, you'll you'll know the people. They're all... So there's four. There's going to be four episodes with a guest presenter who we will match to a, a different guest... Oh, this is making overcomplicating matters, isn't it? Anyway, there's yeah, four guest presenters. You'll know them. They're great, um, and it just sort of be a bit of fun, really, just mm. to keep it going. And uh, they're all very excited. Are they actually? Yeah, they actually are. First one's happening this Friday. I don't really know how much to give away, to be honest. I don't know anything about this. You know? <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards, Seb. Should I tell you? Should I tell you who the, they are, or yeah. should we? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Kay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this week, Millie Ashton is going to be the guest presenter. You've probably heard her. She's appeared a couple of times on this Mm. podcast. And we are going to be interviewing a viola player called Abby Bowen, who is a fantastic talker and a great viola player. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And then in the weeks following, we've got George White is going to be doing a guest present. Yes. Phil Donnelly is going to be doing guest present. And Robert Simmons. Know that guy? problematic very problematic yeah it's also going to do one i'm not going to tell you who their guests are just yet because i need to leave something hanging don't i (laughs) (laughs) that's great it's not going to be the same though seb yes it's going to be exciting but tinged with sadness (laughs) i might listen to it will you no no you won't (laughs) i will oh i will i'll listen to it i never listen to it normally don't you no i well i listen back when i'm editing it because i I make it (laughs) that's true (laughs) <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like I've, already, I've got it. It's, I've lived I've listened, it. I've listened. I did it, and then I. Li- <laughs> but then I listen in an editing kind of way. Yeah. So I'm not listening as a as a as a listener. As a listener. Yes. But this would be nice. I, I can a listen bit as of a, a change, won't it? Yeah. yeah. But also, there's another element of this that worries me, yeah. and that is when we usually set up for these interviews. Oh. You're very much in charge of making sure that everything's working and turned on. I was thinking that today when I was packing up the uh, the recorder for you. Yeah. So at the moment, uh, oh, well, we'll put it down on on celluloid now, so so you've got it. <laughs> we, I set it to six. You set it to six. Yeah, you see that that one. Yeah, I one see the... and two. One and two. One and two. Yeah. And then I set them both to six i think that's about right okay god i should be writing this down shouldn't i well we're recording it so 
And oh, yes. <laughs> if there's more than that, I've got, you have to click that button as well. One and two. Okay. There's a lot of buttons but to there, click. There used to be, be three people. So you one, click two and one, three. two and three. Make sure the red light's on. Great. It's hard to see in the sunlight, but the red light is on. Yeah. And then, yes, yeah, set them all to six. Is Put this, a memory is this card interesting? in. I mean, this is probably really fascinating for anyone that, that has an H6 recorder by Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but it's good to deal with our admin online, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is good. Like people yeah. love this stuff. Yeah, they do. Behind the scenes, <laughs> the I've got batteries raw. in it at the moment. Okay, because no we're outside, no plugs. And uh, there you go. That's the cable. Okay, good. And then, and then I just press the big red record button, don't I? Yes, and that, make sure that's um, that's on. You and can you see can the see screen. That. You can see yeah. the screen. If okay. you look carefully, it will say. Yeah. It will say <laughs> it's on. I can see that's on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be okay, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> will it be okay? Yeah, and then you've got to edit it. Yeah, well, with the help of some friends, yeah. yeah. Hopefully this ed- episode's worked, it's okay. If it's okay, then that means that the future's bright. If it isn't... It's fine. You know <laughs> what? There's some podcasts I listen to which are absolutely awful. I was trying to think of a... <laughs> a, a nice snod- word. A ni- which is, the, the production levels are, are just rubbish, but mm. it, it adds to it. Okay. It adds to, to the whole world the rules of the world that's what we talk about in in as an in theater we talk about the rules you know yeah what, what are the rules you? here <laughs> does this exist in the world are there a lot of rules you have to adhere to loads of rules <laughs> they don't seem to adhere to the tea break rule <laughs> oh that's poor well the, you do get a tea break but yeah. sometimes they'll just say that's the end of the tea break like, but you, you, i haven't even made my tea just it's not like I mean musicians do we'd have it good. I mean they do. Not for everything, but but for the for the timings issues. Yeah. Rehearsals finish after three hours and you get yeah. tw- 15, 20 minute break, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's important. You know where you stand. Yeah, you do. But you know, musicians, right? They they're not fully present for most of the time in rehearsals. That's true. What switch off? Maybe on phones. Swi- maybe yeah. yeah. Whereas actors, always present, yeah. always engaged and ready to jump in and help out, and and it, it actually makes the day go quicker. Yeah. Because you're invested in it. Yeah. So, again, I I think we have something to learn there from. Oh, from, we do. From, from actors. <laughs> oh, this is great. I'm looking. <laughs> looking forward to a full I'm rundown. I'm a changed man. <laughs> yeah, look at you. <laughs> oh my God. I'm trying to stand better, have better posture. I'm literally slumped over like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. my God, I've got to go. Oh God, oh we um, must. Yeah. Um, well, so, so. well look, um, thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Thanks Hannah Peel. And if you want to listen to more Hannah Peel, then she's, she's all over all the streaming platforms she's everywhere uh, watch the midwitch cuckoos yep. which um i've watched a few more episodes of it's very good yeah and all kinds of stuff go to see that show at the national that yeah i always say laughing it's dancing at lunasa that's it and just just support hannah peel in, yeah. in everything she does because she's ruddy great she is yeah and uh verity i haven't really asked what, what you've been up to i mean oh no this and that and the other i've got a few more weeks until Crazy For You starts again. Yes. Which is great. I can't wait. They've started rehearsals today. I've seen some pictures. Oh, great. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. That's cool. Um, so that's cool. I've so just been generic freelancing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is lovely, That's isn't good. it? It's lovely. You need a bit of that. Absolutely. It's been, it has been nice. It's been varied and fun. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's gone on, but but just to. Sorry. Well, well, <laughs> just <laughs> so, so looking around, looking around the side of me, I'm worried that there's something horrible. <laughs> I'm an actor now. I, I'm just pretending. He's just trying to go. Is that pretending there was some it sort was of so convincing. some wild cat to come up to you? <gasps> um, no, seriously though, seriously. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good, you know. You should definitely go and see this play. The, yeah. the other part of this this meeting today is I'm handing Verity all the gear. Yeah. But I was oh, just looking to see where do you see? have a bag to put this in. I do have a plastic bag. <laughs> anyway, have bag you? Too. Oh, I'm just going to be in plastics. Um, so, but we're going to see you. I'll see you again in June. We're, you're coming back, aren't you? Mid June to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So we and we actually have got things booked in. Yes. For when you're back. So. Yeah, I, I might see you before. We might be able. Yeah, to, we might be able to squeeze the other thing before. in. Yeah. And yes, there'll be more stuff. Uh, so come and uh, come see my play. Yes. And come and see Verity's show. Yes. You can book tickets for that. You can. You can book now. <laughs> that, that's starting at the end of June. And when that's on, we're, we're both going to be in town every day. Yes. So it'll be p- podcast galore, won't oh, it? Honestly, you will not be able to move for a three in a we, bar episode. We've got <laughs> we've got prime central location. Yeah. Re- you know, space to record our podcast. We're going to be loving life. We, we should go into every park in central London. Oh, let's do it. Well, we've ticked one off the list today. Yeah, that's done. Glorious. Um, <laughs> so, okay, uh, go away, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> go, and, oh, go away. And enjoy your day. Have a lovely day. Hope yeah. the sun is out mm. and uh, enjoy life. Yes. Okay. Uh, see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.